right, we're going to continue in our worship as we look into the word of the Lord. Um, let's go to book of Mark, chapter number 7. Mark, chapter number 7. Um, when you're there, say, I'm there, Pastor Roe. Mark, chapter number 7. Amen. A couple more people. Mark, chapter number 7, verses 27 and 28. If you have never read this story, I'm going to encourage you to read it. I'm going to make a bold statement that you are not saved if you've not read this story and understood it. This story precedes a revelation and an understanding because what this person did literally advanced the agenda of God. That when you understand the word, you're able to actually pull into things. You're able to bring things into a reality that was set for a future event. And so understanding your salvation, you must understand this particular story in Mark chapter number 7. Because we find Jesus is in a place that, contrary to the Jewish people, he had no business to be. I want you to hear that again. Jesus found himself in a place that, according to the Jewish people, he had no business being there. But Jesus was there because, and we're going to see the reason for that. So Mark chapter 7, verse 27 to verse 28. And it says, And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. In my Bible, that's in red. That's Jesus speaking. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table Eat the children's crumbs. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We pray your hand will be upon us. We pray for the leading of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. As we look to you, in Jesus' name, amen. The most important quality that you must have is faith. Someone say faith. But the Bible says that without it, it is impossible to please God. You must have faith. You will be challenged if you haven't been challenged yet. That science and philosophies and everything the enemy can throw at you is for you to no longer have faith. The goal of the enemy is for you to give up your faith. And so it is vital that we understand this particular story because in the story, it is not a Mother's Day message, though the application can be preached about that. If we preach it as a Mother's Day's message, as a male, you may figure it doesn't relate to you and you check out. And yet the story is so important. Someone say faith. Faith is vital. Faith is absolutely of great importance. The story is really about a person. It's about a person that does certain things that 
gets heaven's attention. How many of you want to be a person like that, that your actions get heaven's attention? Come on. The four of you. Amen, somebody. Come on. Come on. The five, six, seven. See, I want to be a person that my actions and my words gets heaven's attention. And that's what faith does. And so this message is about a person. And we could even expand it and say it's about a parent. It's about a parent. It's about, uh, it's about being a parent. One of the most difficult things is to be a parent. It is harder to be a parent than to be a pastor. Because oftentimes, the challenges for my children is they're known as these are pastor's kids. And I tell them, I say, was it rough? Did we make it difficult for you, Danny and Lizzie? Did we make it so hard for you that your parents are pastors? She says, not really. And I say, thank you, Jesus. But other people do. Because they got expectations of us as pastor's children. And I remind them that, yes, it's a burden, but girl, it's also a blessing. Come on. And based on where your faith is in will determine whether you see things as burden or things as a blessing. And oftentimes we, we see that things are happening in our lives and, and we see them as burdens where Jesus bring, cast your burdens, cast them on me so you can see the blessing that's available for you. Someone say faith. That's for somebody right there that you just got to know that little difference between a burden that you carry and the blessing that you have in Jesus. It's important. It's important. And so one of the things about being being a parent is this, and this is from the philosopher Aristotle, and he says this, and I quote, parents love their children more than children love their parents. Mm-hmm. Come on, parents, that's a great place right there. I'm not saying all parents, because some people need parenting classes, but what I'm saying for the most part is that parents, we love our children more that we will do anything, even if it means enabling them. Because we don't understand a burden and the blessing. And there's certain things that they must go through so they can understand the grace of God that's available. But there's a part that you play as a parent. So it is possible. It is possible for you to love your child more than they love you. And that's okay. That's part of the deal. But the reason why you love them so much is because your goal and your belief is that love will descend and hope will live in and on your child. So in other words, you're saying, I hope that one day, one glorious day that they will have the light bulb come on and they'll realize, oh my goodness, I wish I would have honored my parents more than I did. It's amazing how, how as children get older and when they get married, they come back to mom and says, hey, I'm sorry for all the headache I caused you. Now I understand. <laughs> or they're on their own having to pay rent on their own. Come on, somebody. And they realize now that, that they ask for water at the restaurant because they're paying for it. <laughs> uh, when you're paying for it, they order. Uh, come on, a Coke or a 7-Up or a Mountain Dew because they know you're paying for it. But as soon as they get on their own, I'll get some water with that meal, please. And I'll split a meal. Just give me a couple of fries and one chicken wing. You know what I mean? Because 
Because I'm on my own now. I don't know how they did it. Mm -hmm. They did it by faith is what they did. They They did it by faith. And so what we find in this text is about a person, and it's also about a parent. And and so in the backdrop of it, because what we must ask for, listen to me, church, we must demand biblical integrity. The reason why we are being persuaded and people are leaving the faith is because we are not defending biblical integrity. That people can just say what they want to say and make it fit the deal. And we've got to defend biblical integrity. So therefore, when we look at the text, we have to see it. In the context, we've got to see it for what it's really said. And from that, we can then deal with the application. I'm afraid it's too much work to look at the scripture because we're so busy. But we have to get to a place. We have to commit in 2021. You have to commit to biblical integrity. Someone say, I'm committed. Come on. You see, the challenge for commitment is this, that you can get a membership at a gym, but it costs you nothing. What I mean by that is you can sign up for a membership at a gym, but they say if you want to quit, no worries, no commitment. Just quit anytime. And so as a people, we, 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 the culture is saying, ah, if you don't want to do that, it's okay. Ah, you don't have to worry about that. And so being a parent, we are fighting against this headwind of a culture that's robbing us of teaching our children what faith really is. Faith is vital. Don't leave home without it. I can't imagine someone who's living without faith. I don't know how you do it. I I don't know how you wake up and and you wonder, you wonder when your child is going to disclose something perhaps that happened that you weren't aware of. And so all of a sudden now you have to deal with this new revelation or this new thing they gave you. And if you don't have faith, how are you going to make it? I don't know how, except for biblical integrity, except for going back to the word of God. You see, so, so let me give you the context and then, and then give you the application. What I believe what God is saying is not to challenge the people, but it's to encourage you to make a commitment. It's to encourage you to make a commitment. As we see in this particular story, what we saw was that she was challenged, but what we saw that brought the outcome was she was committed. That she was committed. And so, and so an early church father, um, Augustine of Hippo, said this, that this woman of Canaan, who has just now been brought before us in the lesson of the gospel, shows an example of humility and the way of godliness. She shows us how to rise from humility onto exaltation. And I would add... That what she did was, she was able to grasp the illustration Jesus gave about the table. She was able to get a revelation and an insight that transformed the nation. That in this particular context, Jesus now is on the move. He's on the move. And so the first thing for biblical integrity is we have to come to this conclusion. My first point is this. We have to understand the master's calling. We have to understand the master's calling. Yes, he's a friend. 
but he's also Lord and master. He is the Messiah. He is the one who was prophesied to come. Let me share with you, if I may, quickly how to understand the scriptures. Here is how you maintain biblical integrity and keep your faith. You must understand that when Jesus is teaching, he's teaching about a belief system. He's teaching the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is teaching the the, the message of the Messiah, the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Stay with me. Because people, if you don't realize that he's teaching a belief, you will jump to a behavior that he's not addressing yet. And the reason why it's important to understand a belief system is that if the heart doesn't change, the actions can be faked and you can think that there's transformation. So Jesus says, no, you have to understand the kingdom way of thinking. So Jesus always goes after a belief system. He wants to break down tradition. He wants to break down religion. What he doesn't want to do is to minimize timeless truth. He wants us to maintain truth in the midst of every culture. And so Jesus is now, he's adamant on understanding and demonstrating and declaring his calling as the Messiah. I told someone, well, I was sharing uh, with somebody and, and the star came to me. Uh, don't confuse old-fashioned with timeless truth. Uh, there are certain things that, that are old-fashioned and they're still good. But they're not truth. They're not truth. I was... Uh, Megan sent me a, a video of, of, of a service in Jamaica, and, 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 and it's, it's pretty wild. It's pretty radical. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember those songs. Everybody had their hat on, all wearing white, and they were getting down. You know what I mean? And just, I'm like, babe, I remember growing up with that at 18 years old. And I'm like, look at them going. People are running around the church. We do that now. They call the police. Come on. They say, what's your problem? Settle down here. We just got an hour of service. And so they say, it's old-fashioned. But I'm like, no, no, no. What you have to understand is timeless truth. And to understand the master's calling, he is still relevant for today. He's still relevant for a generation that needs to know him. Come on. And we have watered down the gospel so much that they don't even know what they're drinking. Because in trying not to be old-fashioned, we gave away timeless truths. And so they didn't even know why the master came. They have no idea. We're talking about just returning. People have no idea why he even came in the first place. And so we have to understand the master's calling because here's the deal. Here's the deal. What we must get to is understand the theology. Write this down. The theology of salvation. Your faith is dependent upon you understanding this biblical word called salvation. Soteriology is the Greek word. Soteriology. It's the doctrine. It's understanding salvation. It's to understand the core of all that is taking place. Because when Jesus was announced by the angel, they said, give him the name Jesus, which means Savior. And so we must understand this. Our children need to understand this because, because what we are to do, and here is the practical application. We must, listen to me, every one of you, we must take our table back. In this story, we're going to see how she did that. She literally 
took her table back. She said, I got to take this table back. Because in case you didn't know, if you never read the story, she had a daughter who was demon possessed. The ultimate, the ultimate influence and control is that an evil, unclean spirit controlled this person. As you as a parent, can you imagine trying to function, trying to do things, and you didn't know when this demon was going to manifest? You had no idea when this thing was going to happen. Listen, it was vital that this person understood the master's calling. Because the situation was so desperate, my God, that she had no idea what to do. And so the first thing we read, because Matthew and Mark both talks about this, is that we find this, the route of the Savior. So, so to understand the theology of salvation, you have to understand that Jesus made a path, a route to you. And to you, oh, come on, and to you. That you didn't want him, he wanted you. Lest we think we're so great, come on, that it was like, okay, Jesus, you want me in your kingdom because look at me, I'm a good person. He says, no, 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 nobody is righteous, nobody seeks after God. He made the route to you, come God Almighty. And that's why when we say give God praise and give God glory, that's not old-fashioned, that's timeless truth. He made a way to you. He made a way. And the first thing you could tell when someone understands salvation, they tell you how Jesus found them. They didn't find Jesus. He wasn't lost. Jesus found them. And so the master is called into the table. And I love that because he is out and he's looking for you. Even where you think you're in a place where there's no way he can find you. He's there because in Matthew chapter 15, we read that Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This was a Canaanite Gentile place. And Jesus, who, who is moving amongst the Jewish people, all of a sudden now, and this is not the first time he's done this, he now goes and he's looking for a place to rest. Because if you look at the previous text, he was doing miracles. They were doing miracles. He was exhausted. He was looking for a place to go and rest. And he finally thinks, let me get out of this Jewish place and let me move now into this Gentile place that no one's going to recognize me, that no one's going to know who I am. But guess what? Come on. When you walk with the anointing of God, come on, when you got power that's beyond natural things, people are going to look you out. The route of the Savior. What Jesus did to get to you. One person said this, Jesus is led by his mission more than the opinions of the masses of people. He goes, he gets there. And when he gets there, Mark 7, verse 25, realizes now that to understand the theology of salvation, not only do you recognize he made a route to you, here is how you respond to that. Here is how you respond to Jesus and his calling. The Bible says this in Mark chapter 7, verse 25. This is the New English Standard Bible. It says this. But after hearing of him, oh, After hearing of him, so somebody must have been preaching the gospel. 
Somebody must have been telling the story. Somebody must have told the town, guess who's here? Come on. Someone must have said, who rolled out the red carpet? Someone says, turn off the TV. We don't want to hear from celebrities. We want to hear from the master himself. Somebody was teaching this gospel. And so it says a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. She realizes now that there is a power in this person and she falls at his feet and she realizes now watch this now I have went to every other God that existed in my heritage and in my identity and none of them could help me and so now I'm going to lay at your feet because that's a position of posture it's a position of humility It is getting to a place where you realize now that the safest place to be is at the feet of the Savior. Come on. It's at his feet. It's just lying right there. It's just being close to him right there. I don't got to be at the head. I just got to be at your feet. And so a theology of salvation will do two things. You will recognize the route and what Jesus did to get to you. And you will find yourself being humble because you know that you're not worthy of what he's about to do. It keeps you humble. So what causes these two things? Thanks for asking. What causes there to be this this recognizing of or this, this realization of this route and also to be at his feet? Well, here's the deal. It's the reality of the situation. It's the reality of the situation. See, Matthew 15, 22 describes now this person in more detail. She was a Gentile woman. Who lived and came to him. And here's what she's, watch this now. She says in Matthew 15, 22, she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Whoa. Whoa. She's from Canaan. She's a Gentile. How in the world does she have Hebrew understanding being a Gentile? This was not part of her vocabulary. Come on. This was not part of her heritage. But she realized now that I've got to understand the master's calling. And she begins by saying, God, have mercy on me, son of David. She says, I am going to access inheritance that's been rejected for centuries. Because the reality of my situation causes me not to have pride. Come on. That I have to get to the Savior. And if it means I have to create treason, come on. And pledge allegiance to this God, I'm going to do it. Because she realizes, my daughter, come on. My family, come on. Needs a breakthrough, come on, Abigail. When she opened her mouth and started talking about a breakthrough, I'm like, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Look at here. Confirming the message while I wrestled throughout the weekend as we were driving back from Pennsylvania. I'm like, babe, I'm wrestling with this message. And God kept putting my heart, ask Abigail to pray. And I said, I can't do it. Then it became late. And when she walked in, it's almost like the Lord just directs us, ask her. I said, okay, can you pray? <laughs> 
And as soon as she began and started to declare, God's like, I'm confirming the message, Rowan, that yes, I'm fighting for families in the name of Jesus. That we must understand the reality of our situation. That being a person, being a parent, this is the time, this is the season. The devil is a liar. No more will he mess up our children. No more will he have access to our family. We've got to get to a place where we fight for our children. Good God Almighty. We can't let the culture... Take our children. We've got to say, devil, you should have stopped me when I was leaving my house. But I got to the feet of the Savior. I'm saying, please, God, help me. My kids don't want to come to church anymore. Help me, Jesus. They don't want to read the Bible anymore. Help me, Jesus. Don't endorse it. Get to the feet of the Savior. And take your table back, good God Almighty. Contrary to the culture, the enemy has nothing good for your children. His assignment, his goal is to rob them, is to distract them, is to deceive them. Yes, destroy them, all of that. But I love what she did in case we think that just because you're born in America, that means you're a Christian. No, it just means you're born in America. And just because your parents are Christian doesn't mean you're a Christian. And just because you said the sinner's prayer. At a VBS. Every day. Doesn't mean. You see, parents, let's tell our children the truth. Let's tell them that I went for my salvation to make a way for your salvation. But I'm not the one that can give you salvation. And that's exactly what she did. She says, listen, I'm going to go because my daughter is demon possessed. But she went and says, Lord, help me. She says, Lord, I'm here because my child needs help. She says, no, Lord, help me. Because I can't be a parent without you first helping me. I got to understand who Jesus is. And so to take back the table, I'm telling you, this is a prophetic word about taking back the table. And so here she is now. And, and watch this now. Because see, here's the people's reaction to her situation. First and foremost, Jesus doesn't say a word. What? And now we're going to realize he called her a dog. That's two strikes against Jesus. And you're telling people come to Jesus. He don't speak. So she goes and he doesn't say a word. And when do we lose faith? When God is silent. We lose faith. We've been praying about our child. We've been praying about this. We've been praying about that. And he hasn't said a word. And that's why we need prophetic voices. Come on. Mm. That's why we need when we gather together. Come on. It is not just about warming a seat. It is about saying, God, give me a word for somebody. Because someone's losing faith because they think you haven't said a word about their situation. And it seems like you're silent. But he's saying, oh, no, no, no. He has a word, but he's waiting. And I remember when I was... In a place, and I'm like, God, are you going to speak to me? 
not a word crickets. Because you wanted me to rely on my faith more than the facts. And so it doesn't say a word. Others are screaming at her. Get away, you Gentile. Get away. Don't you know the master's calling? Leave. Jesus, I told you we shouldn't come up in this region. Look what they're doing. We're trying to get rest. But this woman is interrupting and they're screaming, get away from him. And she's holding on to his feet and says, I don't care what you say. You don't know my situation. I don't care what you tell me. You're not going to let me, come on, let go of the feet of the Savior. And we've got to get to that place where we understand nobody is going to talk me out of this salvation. Nobody is going to tell me anything contrary to what my heart is telling me that I need an answer from Jesus. So what do we do when screaming doesn't work? We make suggestions. We make suggestions. Well, here's what I would do if I were you. Yeah, well, here's I, you know what I mean? Yeah, here's what I would figure out. You don't take all that. Come on. He's not even talking to you. You're still okay. No, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. We heard, we were driving and we heard this uh, person talk about resurrection power. And he said the first time he saw someone raised from the dead. And um, he said he was a youth pastor. And uh, the pastor said he could preach the first service. He goes, all right, man, because the first service is really, it's the one that's, that's controlled. It's the first service. You know, it's just, it's just controlled. And, and, um, and so in this service, uh, in, in, in this service, um, He's preaching, and all of a sudden, it's just going crazy. It's not the normal service for the first service. And so all of a sudden, you see some commotion going over here, and, and what happened is a, 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 this person's grandmother, she fell over dead. And he goes over there, and, and, and he's like, oh, my goodness. He's like, no, this person's dead. And so they called the ambulance, and they come. And he says, all of a sudden, he hears this child, the granddaughter, saying, Devil, I rebuke you. Death, get away from my grandmother. Come on, shakaba. Death, I rebuke you. Get away from my grandmother. So he comes over now. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay. So he goes, get thee behind me, Satan. I know you're the pastor, but right now you're acting like the devil. Get away. I know what I'm doing. I speak life back into this child, good mother. And all of a sudden, when the ambulance is coming, all of a sudden she coughed and she got back up again. I'm blowing some of your mind, but I'm here to tell you, when your situation becomes like that, you will tell every suggestion. You will make sure everyone that's trying to get thee behind me, Satan. Because my situation is my grandmother. And I'm believing God for that. So right there, it's already blocked some of your thinking because you're like, what? Listen, don't allow the enemy to lie to you because of a fact. Speak the truth in every situation. In every situation. You see, finally Jesus realized she's not leaving. Like She's just not leaving. She's not staying quiet. So now he finally speaks and he goes, well, let me tell you of my mission. 
he goes now in Matthew 15, 24. He says, Jesus says to the woman, listen, I was only sent. I was sent only to the help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. That's it. That's, that's my assignment. I was only sent to help these people. Jesus answers her question. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 12, Paul writes, and Paul says this in the Passage Translation. Paul says this, so don't forget that you were not born as Jews and were uncircumcised. Circumcision itself is just a work of man's hand. You have none of the Jewish covenants and laws. You were foreigners to Israel's incredible heritage. You are without covenants and prophetic promises of the Messiah. The promised hope and without God. Talk about a dark situation. He's literally saying, I can't help you because of an Old Testament promise. And this is where we abandon ship. This is where our young people leave. They go off to college. And they get challenged on this one. And they lose the faith. And we close our Bible. And because we have too much religion. And we're too afraid to walk away. We just stay neutral. Because we can't comprehend what's going on here. So what do I do, preacher? What do I do when I find myself in a situation of where it seems like it's hopeless and helpless and God is silent? What do I do? Someone say, what do I do? Matthew 15 verse 25 says this. But she continued to worship. She continued to beg. She continued to plead. And she says, I don't know about that stuff, Jesus. But all I know is that I need you to help me. And that's why when we talk about worship, it's not singing songs. Worship is about a love for the Father that nothing in this world can satisfy. It's about a love for the Father that you realize now that I need to access a blessing, a provision that I can't stop worshiping the Lord God Almighty. You see, what had happened was this. Jesus knew, I believe, that the only thing that moves God is faith. His faith. His taking God at his word. And saying, Jesus, I need your word. There is not one situation that you will find yourself that the word of God cannot answer. We must get to a place of where we abandon all logic, if necessary, and get to the feet of Jesus. Listen to me. There's no way. You'll lose your mind if you don't do this. I promise you. You, 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 think, it, you think 2020 was bad? You're about to lose your mind if you don't have faith in Jesus. That's not to scare you. That's to prepare you. 
That's to encourage you. That's to build you up. It's for you to access what you have. It's not about you thinking we're doomed. No, no. Doomed. Are you mad? Do you know who our father is? Come on. Do you know who controls everything? It's the father. What he's saying is this, is go deeper in your relationship with me. It's for you to increase in a worship that there is no apology for. Come on. It's getting to a place of where there's no preaching. There's nothing else because everybody's on their face and they're crying out to Jesus and they're seeking his face and they're saying, God, have your way in this place. That's the goal. That's the goal. And so as we as we transition, Jesus goes and and he says this. Jesus says, but but the food on the table, now Jesus brought the table. She didn't, he brought the table. He started it. See, when you have faith like that, you can tell Jesus, your word says this. And so he starts a conversation because he goes and says, hey, listen, I'm only come to help the people of Israel. And that didn't work. So now he's like, well, let me give her some theology then. I I couldn't talk her out of it. I I couldn't discourage her. She's continuing to worship in me. She's continuing to press in. So he now says, okay, um, let me now tell you that that, that this is what it is in, in Mark 7. 27, the New Living Translation says this. Jesus told her, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It is not right to take food from the children and throw it to dogs. Now, the language of this, you would think that he's talking or calling her a dog like this ferocious dog that's outside and just scavenger. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about... Uh, a dog. Now, back in those times, they didn't have dogs that was on your laps. You know what I mean? Hey, my best friend. They didn't do that. The dogs were in the house. You know what I mean? They would go around, and these were like considered like pets and, and stuff like that. And, 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 and so, just is now calling her this ferocious animal. He's saying, he's saying that I can't throw it to the dog who's in the house. Watch this now. So, not only did she leave a region, come on, right? Now that she leave, not physically, but she left a mindset, and now she's made her way in the house. She's not at the table yet, but she's making progress. Come on. So she went from, he came into the region, and she left the gods, and she left all the other things, and she's here, and so now just realized that I can't stop you from coming to me. There is something that's drawn you to me. So he now says, listen, I'm going to give you this story. I can't, this is for the immediate family of faith that I can't take the food that's for them and give it to the dogs. And my second point is this. She realized something that was like, wow, what in the world is she saying? Number two was this. She talked about the crumbs from the master's table. And listen to her answer. She said, Matthew 15, 27, or Mark 7, 28, she says this, yes, Lord, what you just said is true theology. She doesn't question the word of God. I know I'm a foreigner. I know I'm from Canaan. I don't, I'm not questioning the theology. Oh, get that, get that. What I'm asking is that, the crumbs that just happens to fall off the table is more nourishing, come on, to me, than all the delicatessens of this foreign nation. Oh, God. She's saying, I don't ask for a lot. I just want a little. Because a little of Jesus 
is greater than all of the wealth of the world. Come on, somebody. And so she's saying this. She's like, listen, don't change theology on my account. That's so good. Don't change who you are on my account. No, I need you to be the Savior. If it touches me, it transforms. The things that you speak to speaks to me. So even if you have to spit on the ground and, and pick up the ground, you're the one who created the earth. Come on, and you're the one that does all these things. And so he's saying that at the table, just get me to the table, Jesus. I just got to get to the table because I've got to take my table back. Oh, God. And so in order to do that, I've got to be at your table so I can have authority to take my table back. And so two things that we must do as parents, if we want to start to take our table back, two things we must do. We must be honest about our situation, and we must become prophetic parents. We must become prophetic parents. In May, Pentecost is coming, and there's a prophetic promise that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And you have to shift now. You have to be honest and tell your child, I have no idea what to tell you. I have no idea what's going on. But one thing I do know is that I'm a prophetic parent. Come on. And I'm going to go before the father. So be careful because if you're doing something contrary to God's word, he's going to find out. And so the two things that we must listen to me, if we want to take this nation back, it's not going to start with the television, it's going to start at the table. It's going to start at the table. We got to get to the table. And so as we wrap up, we realize this. Jesus heard what she says. He says, oh, my goodness. Oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. She asked us something that was under the table. What she accessed was saving faith. What is saving faith? Saving faith is an understanding of a theology of Jesus that gives you reassurance about your relationship with Jesus. Let me break it down. Saving faith is not just saying or confessing Jesus is Lord. Saving faith is acknowledging the theology of salvation. It's in a person. And in that person becomes my relationship. So I abandon all other objects of faith. Because we come to him in faith, but we still hold on to other objects. Then that's not saving faith. Saving faith realized I abandoned all of the objects of faith. And I put my faith in the one called Jesus. Mm. Because what happens if I don't put it in Jesus, when situations become dire, I will turn to the faith inside of me called experience and not encounter. Oh, let me teach that. Come on, come on. And so I will go based on experience and facts as opposed to faith and encounter with Jesus. And so therefore, I can't afford to put faith in myself because if I could, I wouldn't have come to Jesus in the first place. 
So the very reason you came to Jesus is a confirmation you've abandoned everything else. We don't teach that. We just say, confess and just save. And they go back in the same object of faith. All that they was get life insurance. Or I should say, fire insurance, if we're real about it. But saving faith is an assurance that we know that we're at the table. Come on. Saving faith tells us that we're seated in Christ Jesus. Saving faith is what we realize in Acts 4 verse 12 that there's salvation in no one else in, but in the name of Jesus. That under heaven, there is no other name by which we can be saved but by the name of Jesus. But by the name of Jesus. So to take your table back, parents, make this decision. Tell your child or whoever, I'm going to start being honest with you now. Not old-fashioned, I'm going to be honest with you now. Your situation is causing me to go to Jesus and I'm at his feet. You're keeping me away for Pete's sakes. And I'm going to, I'm not asking help for you. I'm asking help for me because I want to kill you sometimes. You know what I mean? Come on. Right? Come on. Husband and wife, man, I got to go to Jesus. Why? Because you are on my last nerves. Don't let your child get up from the table and don't ask, hey, where are you going? Be honest with them. Be honest with them. Because here's the deal. If they don't stay at your table, they'll go to somebody else's table. Because they got to eat to survive. Oh, good God Almighty. They have to eat to survive. And I'm telling you right now, if your child's not at your table, they're at somebody else's table eating their philosophy, their value system. And to think, no, the devil is alive. You better put that food down and find yourself back at this table. I did not go through hell. Come on. Raising you. Come on. To get to a place where you walk away. No, no, no. You got to get them back to the table. Back to the table. You see, what's at your table? Saving faith that works through love. It's saving faith that works through love. I'm here to tell you, parents, don't give up on that child. I don't care if they're 20. I don't care if they're 12. I don't care if they're 42 years of age. If they don't know Jesus, you better place and get your table ready. Come on. You better prophetically when they ask, what are you doing? You don't know. I'm living by faith, girl. I'm living by faith. Uh, they're not in the home. Uh, that's one thing. But if they don't know Jesus, I'm setting the place in it. Come on. Mom, what are you doing? It's called faith. Come on. It's called faith. I'm going to Jesus on their behalf. And I'm saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me because I got to be at the table. I cannot leave the table because if I leave the table, the battle's over. And so I'm here because I'm working through love. I'm at the table. I'm at the table. The message for today is this. Take your table back. Listen, y'all. I, I love this country. I do. We, we finished up our citizenship process. Amen. I finally 
get to officially vote. Come on, next election. Praise God. Look out. I may run. Come on, somebody. So, please understand that as a nation, as a nation, the enemy has a destiny for this nation. I don't care what aisle you're on. The enemy's goal is to destroy this nation. It's to get us to go away from the table. For example, I told Megan, I said, I have to understand the culture because the culture is so different. Because see, um, just because something is legal doesn't mean it's biblical. And so when a kid comes and says, well, I'm 18, I can do what I want. When I grew up, <laughs> you know, I could be 22. <laughs> as long as you're in this house, on this table, come on. You, we forget God's a parent as well. And my parent would say, listen, don't go and mess up my name. Don't tell me whose child you are. Come on, acting all mad like that. Like, you ain't my kid. Now, I, 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 perhaps I'm meddling, but what I'm here to tell you is, I don't care if your kid comes and tells you something that's legal. If it's not biblical, tell him to listen. Find yourself at the table. Let's talk about it. We will not lose a generation. Listen, we will not lose a generation to the television. We will not lose a generation to television. Let's renew the table again. Come on, let's not lose a generation. I'm finished, but I got more word inside of me. It is time we get them back to the table and says, dinner is ready. Come and dine. The master's calling. Come and dine. Take your table back. You see, there would have been no Blaine and Dan if we didn't take our table back. Come on. Mm. I know one young man that's glad we took the table back. We got to take the table back. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, stop faking it. Stop faking it. Don't be afraid. It's called faith. Don't be afraid because someone prays you're going to go to hell. Come on. He doesn't want you to go. You go there by your own choice. That's how you go there. By not receiving Jesus. That's it. But if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm talking about saving faith. Get to the table. Parents, ask your children when you get home or whenever you have a meal. I don't care if it's Mother's Day. Mother's Day, I don't care if it's the next holiday. But at the table, can I ask you an honest question? Are you even saved? Well, say more lovingly. Now, you know you've been going to church all your life. But be honest with me. You're not going to hurt my feelings. But are you really saved? Do you really know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Mom, I don't. I'll be honest with you. Or I'm not ready for him right now. I got stuff I want to do. Okay, I can deal with that. 
Because you give me something to go back to the Father and pray about. Come on. Come on. So that's the question. Stop lying to yourself. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's not about some guilt. It's not about that. Can we get past that? We're talking about life and death here. We're talking about Jesus has a table that is present and that is spread for you. Come, he said, dine at the table. Let's be honest and let's be prophetic. Are you a believer? Mom, I'm not. Okay. Okay. What happened? You know, um, Grandpa passed. I was praying for him, and and it didn't work. Um, and I just can't have faith anymore. Okay, okay. Um, I thought he loved me, but I was caught up in human trafficking, and I was used and abused, and I can't serve a God like that who allowed that to happen. Okay, okay, okay. Um, my parents said they were saved, but they didn't live that way at home. They, they, didn't, they, they didn't. Okay, okay, okay. Lay it at the table. Come on. Lay, lay it at the table. Oh, lay it at the table. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Lay it at the table. Stop carrying that burden. Come on. Stop carrying that burden. You're stuck in that place and the enemy is bombarding you because you don't know if I can be honest about my faith. Yes, be honest about your faith. I'm a prophetic parent. I'll go before the Father with you. I'll cry for you. God, my child don't know what to do, Lord. They don't know what to do, but I'm inviting to the table. So just let the crumbs from your table, Jesus, let it fall so they can have something. God, the culture is just bombarding them, God. And what can I do? And here is what God has said. Fight for your family. Take your table back. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing of God is pulling some people. I feel the anointing of God. Finally, I can be honest about where I'm at. Yes. Because faith works through love. I'm struggling, Lord. I'm struggling with the, with the race of the fight. I'm struggling, Lord. Get to the table. I don't know what to do. Get to the table. They're passing laws that don't make sense. Get to the table. Get to the table.